The Beat Church in Pflugerville, Texas. Bringing you messages of inspiration, hope, and freedom. Turn up the volume and get ready for the truth that will set you free. All right, we are going to have an awesome subject today, which I think everyone will love because everyone's favorite thing is a selfie, right? You look at a picture and there's like 50 people on there, right? And it's like all these amazing people, like there's the president of the United States, like there's this person, there's that movie star, that, and all you want to know is where am I, right? Oh, there's me right there. So that's what we want, right? Everybody looks like, if you look for yourself first in a photo, don't raise your hand. See, everybody. Everybody's the same. We all do it, right? But we love that. This sermon is going to be about you. How cool is that? And the way I was able to do it is that we actually have so much data now online that I actually went online and I researched every person and I actually know all about you and your photos and your Facebooks and your meta stuff. And I'm ready to go. Are you ready, Ray? We're going to bring it. All right, let's pray and we'll get in. Father, thank you for your word. I pray that you would, God, just help us to understand God, your word, not just in our head, but in our hearts, Lord, in our spirit. God, I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to start out uh, just talking for just a split second, and then we're going to get into Psalms 139, but about this. I just want you to stop for a second and think, okay? And then I want, you're going to repeat this with me, okay? We don't always do repeats, but I want you to repeat this with me, okay? Because sometimes this is hard to do, okay? Are you ready? I'll say it once, and then we'll all say it together, okay? Wow. Thank you, God, for making me so awesome. Are you ready? All right, ready? One, two, three. Wow. Thank you, God, for making me so awesome. All right, one more time, because it doesn't look like you mean it. Ready? Okay, let's do it like you mean it for just a second, okay? Just pretend like you're singing in the shower and you're thinking, I should have cut a record. I should have put out a CD. Like, I should be doing something, right? Man, I need a label. Like, that, what? I missed my mark, right? Do it like that. Okay, ready? One, two, three. Wow, thank you, God, for making me so awesome. Doesn't that feel good? It feels so good. But is it biblical? Hmm. Well, Psalms 139, let's go there. Psalms 139, verses 13 and 14. This is King David. Now, King David was a man, the Bible says, after God's own heart. In other words, his heart was the same as God's heart. The things he loved were the same as the things God loved, and he had that same perspective and view and opinion that God had on these things. And so when God says that, hey, this is a man after my own heart, that's pretty big praise. I say, well, if he's speaking, we could probably listen to what he's saying. Okay, so Psalms 139, 13 to 14 says, For you formed me in my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And then here's the part. I praise you. There's a lot of great things to praise God for. But check out what he's praising God for. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wow. Wouldn't that be a cool way to do testimonies at church? Just come on up, take the mic. Michelle comes up. I just want to just testify God done something amazing. He made me. <laughs> Mic drop. I'm done. <laughs> Was there anything else you wanted to add? No. That's enough. I am awesome. 
and God did that. Look at this. Feast your eyes <laughs> upon the work of God. How amazing. But that's what David's doing. He's thanking God, literally, not for the things he's given him, not for the wonderful people in his life, not for how he's delivered him out of something. He's just literally thanking him for making him so awesome, fearfully and wonderfully made. Look, just look at me. Amazing. Marvelous are your works. See, now he's comparing God's making of himself to everything else God has done. Like, God, you made the Grand Canyon. It's so incredible. And you made me. Wow. People are going to drive from all over the country or all over the world because I'm going to sit out on my front lawn with a chair and let people walk down the road and look and go, look, wow, there's Nicole Kaczynski. Wow. Fantastic. Look at Bobby. Just look at him. Can we get the pass where we can walk all the way around Bobby and see all of Bobby? It's amazing. They pitch tents and they camp because there's a Bobby. Oh, look at it. We're going to camp right around Jeremiah Watts. Just sitting there. Hey, guys, let's build a fire. When the sun comes up, we'll be able to see Jeremiah right there. And then they're all looking through the window. There's Jeremiah. <laughs> He's like, what's going on? We're just admiring God's work. It's fantastic. It's fabulous. Wow. But this is what He's comparing how God has made him and then he's comparing it to the amazingness that God has done all throughout creation, and not only throughout creation on the earth, but he said, all of your marvelous works. We're talking nebulas, space, galaxies. That is an incredible nebula that telescope just picked up. There's Robert. Wow! Incredible. This is what David's doing. He's talking about himself in this context of being an amazing creation of God. Is that ego? Is he just too proud? He's giving glory to God for what God's done. And then here's the thing he says, I know this very well. It's not just a concept to him. It's not just an idea he has. It's not just a cool praise thing to say at church. Yeah, God made me. Praise God. Thank you. But he's saying, I knew it very well. Like, like, I know this in my being. It's who I am. Like, it's there. It, it resonates in me. Right? John Clay's a, a fighter. He likes to do mixed martial arts fighting. Right? There's a difference between somebody who gets in a ring and is like, let's go. And somebody who's just a fighter. Right? It's a little different. Somebody gets in and they're like, okay, no, I'm, I'm actually a fighter. Let's go. Right? Because they know it. They've practiced. They put in the work. They know the effort it takes. Like, they, they know what this is going to be like. They know what it's like to get exhausted in the middle of a round. Like, they know it. Like, when you know something, it's more than just an idea. It actually becomes like a part of who you are. You know, my wife's an organizer. I know this very well. This morning, I came downstairs, and sitting on the last step was Kira, and there's all these little dishes and all these little things, and she's got them all pushed over, set up perfectly, and she goes, there, that's better. <laughs> like, she's two and a half, but she's starting to know it very well because she's around her mom, right? There's this thing we know very well means that it's a really deep knowledge, and when God loves us, he does things for us. I'm going to have Justin come up. Um, I asked if he would uh, just come up to get a drink of water for me, a really simple task. It's water. 
That's all it is. Okay, so, um, although I'm right-handed, so I don't know how to pour left. After all these years of being alive. So, we know God thinks good things about us. He loves us. He wants to do things for us, right? We know he made us well. If he made us well, he loves us. He'd want to give us a little bit of water. He'd want us to have a drink. So, just have your drink. <laughs> it's water. You can have a drink. In the, here, do you want me to take a drink first? Okay, now, come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. We're friends. I wouldn't have done that if there wasn't a good purpose. Okay. First, it's jealousy because your hair looked too good. But second, there's a towel right there. I did bring that because I knew you would need that. Oh, well, that was nice. You can dry down. So before, before, before Justin goes down, I want, this is why, this is why I, did, I, want you to, I want you to hear this, okay? I want you to hear this because this is what this word means. Listen, he says, I know this very well. Here's what the word very well means. It's me ode, okay, is the actual word. It's the Hebrew word. It means muchness with force and abundance. Okay, so hold on. This is what I'm saying. Okay, and this is what David's saying. Oh, I know that God made me well. I know God cares for me. I know God loves me. I know all these things. And it's like we just sip from this little teacup of, ah, God's good. You sure? Yeah. Okay. The way that David knew it was with force and abundance. <laughs> All right, you can go sit down now. And abundance, like, give him a hand. No, like deep. Okay. And here's why I use the water. Check this out. This word was used in another place in the Bible, Genesis 7, 17 to 19. Okay, this is what's going to make that make more sense. For 40 days, the flood kept coming on the earth. And the waters rose and lifted the ark high above the earth. So the waters continued to surge and rise greatly on the earth. Okay, this word's greatly. Guess what word it is? It's the same one. Okay. And what it means, again, because it's the same word, is muchness, force, abundance. In other words, what David is saying when he says that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, God's done all these wondrous things, I know this very well. What he's saying is that this has actually come upon me like a flood. Like it fills me. Like I know this. It's not like, oh, I just had a little bit of, you know, yeah, a couple good verses on that I'm an okay person, God likes me. No, that God actually made me how he wanted to make me and to fill me with his person and character and image and that he did this. Like, I look the way I look because God made me like this. I think the way I think because God made me to think. I have the family I have because this is the family that God made through me, that God made me a part of. The things that make me laugh make me laugh because this is how God made me. I'm a compulsive organizer, or I love to work on cars, or I love to do this or that because God's made me like this. This is a part of who I am. So it comes on like a flood. It says, finally, the waters completely inundated the earth so that all of the high mountains under all of the heavens were covered. Here's a picture of our mind. And a question, are the valleys and the mountains of your mind overtaken with gratitude that God made you so awesome? 
not externally, but internally, all the little deep valleys and the mountains of your mind and the struggles that we go through, the ups and downs of our emotions and thoughts that happen, are they flooded with this recognition and knowledge that God made you, that he loves you, and that he made you awesome and able to do awesome things. Like he literally made this. So I mean, we're going into Thanksgiving season right now, and there's lots of things we're going to be thankful for. Thankful for our homes, thankful for our cars, thankful for our family, thankful for our jobs, thankful for the turkey. All these things to be thankful for, but the first place to start is to just be thankful that you're you. Because within your life, from the beginning of it to the end of it, there's going to be certain relationships and certain opportunities and certain open doors that only you are going to have. Only you're going to experience those. Only you're going to see that person that needed prayer. Only you're going to see that person that needed somebody to help them out. Only you're going to be in the position, sitting across from that person at that time, able to meet that need because God made you knowing that someday I'm going to connect them there and I'm going to have them be the one that brings that help and brings that hope to them. Is it God made you like that? And so if that's how he made you, he wants you to be aware of it. He wants it to flood your mind. He wants it to flood your heart. So what's awesome about you? Humanity, let's start there is made in God's image. So what does that mean? Well, one, that we're creators. We can create things. You can start with nothing. We have tons. If you, if you own a business in here, raise your hand. If you own some kind of business. This church has a lot of entrepreneurs and business people. Okay? You're creators. Right? You're creating things. God's given you the ability to create, like, out of your mind, I have an idea, and I'm going to turn this idea into something real. Right? That's not creation out of nothing. But it's in the image of God. You don't drive down the street and somebody's beagle has a lemonade stand. Like, oh, wow, look at that, a beagle with a lemonade stand. That's awesome. That's so cool. I'd have shopped there. You don't go into Stonehill or into the Round Rock outlets and see animals that have a human store. Right? Come on in. This is all the things that keep humans entertained. Come by them. It'll keep your humans off your back so you can do what you want. Right? Doesn't do we, don't do, we don't have that. Why? Because we as humans are uniquely made in the image of God to be creators. We create things. We make things. And so that's something that is awesome about people. We're moral beings. We have the ability to understand lying, cheating, stealing, caring for the, those that are hurting and suffering. That's a uniqueness that God has made us. If he gave it to animals and insects, we wouldn't get devoured by fire ants in Texas. Right? No morality in those little guys at all. Made us to be rulers, Genesis talks about, to rule over all the earth. And God's made us to do that. When we go into a place, we take it out, even land. We go into land, and guess what? We don't let the weeds overtake and rule us, right? We start to clear out the land, and we start to plant gardens, and we grow things, and we do stuff that causes there to be God's goodness and his abundance around. Why? Because we're rulers, and we do that. We have the capacity to really love, to care for those that are hurting, for those that are in need, to help people that, that don't have a home, to help and foster and to adopt kids and to do all these things that God gives us his ability to love in a way that animals don't have. 
But that's humanity. So what about you specifically as an individual person? Because if we look at Psalms 139, again, it says, For you form me in my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully, and then here's this word, wonderfully made. Well, what is wonderfully made? Wonderfully made, the actual word here is talking about being separate or distinct. It means that you're you. That's it. You're you. You're the only one that's you. There isn't any other ones. It's you. You know, I was reading a book about old, like just Hebrew uh, writings and the things they talk about, some of the oral traditions that they talk about. One of the things that they discussed in there was this idea that God made us and he gave us this uniqueness of being creative and being unique, right? Which is being very different, every person. And then he gave us fingerprints, right? And orally, the tradition going back thousands of years is the reason that he put fingerprints on the, like this ID, because that, that's like the ID that identifies us, right? You touch this, boom, this is it. The reason that he put it on our fingertips is because this is what we create with. This is what we do with. We, we build things, we make things, we do things. So this image of God to be able to create and do things that he gave us, and then the uniqueness, he actually took and put that in a place where it would be very immediately identified with our ability to create and to do things as a sign to us. And that's been passed down through, and go all the way back thousands of years, even before Christ, as they talked through the Old Testament and the Hebrew scholars and the people that would share, they talked about that as that being one of the signs that they looked at, that, that God pulled these things together. But it is to be distinct and unique. Exodus 35, 30 to 33 says, Moses said to the Israelites, see the Lord has called, now check this out, by name Bezalel, son of Uri the son of her of the tribe of Judah. So he called by name. So God in heaven over all the universe, over everything, he looks down, he's got all the people on the earth, and then he's got all the people of Israel, and he's got all these tribes, and then he's got all these families, and he specifically looks down, and he calls by name Bezalel. Hey, I want this guy. And what does he want him for? He says, I want this guy. And he says, I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill, ability, knowledge, in all kinds of craftsmanship to design artistic works in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut gemstones for settings and carve wood so that he may be a master of every artistic craft. God made him and then looked down and says, do you know what, I've made this person in order to have them do these things, and it's very unique. Bobby's got a great guitar skill. But that's not his greatest skill or his most secret one. He has a more secret skill. He's a garage marksman. Yep. I'm outing you right now, Bobby, because it's amazing. He collects BB guns and pellet guns and stuff. And he has a whole shooting range in his garage for pellet and BB guns. The old style with the pumps and the old the kind with the, all the different kinds. And he sits there and he shoots those things. God made him that way. To do that and to have this thing that he does. Why? You know what? God always has a purpose. I'm sure there'll be times where he's got somebody sitting out in that garage and he's shooting BB guns with them probably and starts to minister to them and uses that as an opportunity to talk to them. Opportunity to just talk about the Lord. Opportunity to talk about focus, about moving towards the things of God. There's things that God gives us to use. Just like he gave to Bezalel, he gave him these abilities and he used them to help make the tabernacles of God. But he gave him specifics. Well, that's not prophetic word. That's not a healing gift. That's not a preaching gift. That's not this gift. That's not. It's God's gift. And the gift that you have, God gave you in order for you to be able to use it 
for something awesome to touch people's lives. So what's distinctly awesome about you? So if you go on social media, you'll see a lot of times a post that just says, hey, if you're my friend and you're on here, post your favorite thing about me, right? Or post something that nice about me. Post your best memory with me, right? Anybody ever seen those? Sometimes we go to everyone else wanting to know what, what's okay about me to just kind of build our confidence and fill us up, right? And that's okay to get encouragement from others. But what David had and what God wants us all to have is this ability to just say in our own self without all that going on is just nice work, God. <laughs> Way to go. It's kind of awkward, but it's what he wants. It's where he wants us to be. It's the peace that he wants us. It's the soundness of mind, the wholeness. I don't need to add something to make myself feel okay or finished. God finished me. He made me. And it's okay. Now, can I grow? Can I mature? Can I do better? Is there sin? Is there not sin? Things I need to work on or grow in? Absolutely. But at the core, God made me, and he had a particular plan in mind when he made me. And God doesn't make junk, and God doesn't do a bad job. God doesn't make mistakes. He makes us on purpose. And so as we live that way, you know, we want to line it up with God's word and line it up with him giving us direction, all those things. But it starts just by knowing this is true about me. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to take your phones out. And um, I know some of you already had it out. Now you're going to pretend like you're just pulling it out. That's okay. Like, quick, flip it over and flip it back so it looks like I just pulled it out. No, no, it's okay. So what I want you to do. Open your notepad or something, and we're going to take a couple minutes here, and I just want you to write down five things about yourself that God built into who you are that are awesome. Like, if you saw that same thing in someone else, you'd be like, that's awesome. Like you would acknowledge it if you saw it in someone else. Guitarists are famous for this. They look at the other person and say, man, that guy can really do it, man. Look at that. And then you say, man, you're really good. And they say, well, you know, yeah, I'm just kind of tinkering. just trying to, you know, work on a couple things. Like, yeah, not. No, actually yours is awesome too. It's okay to be there. It's okay to say that, to think that, to feel that, and to know that we're accepted by God and made by God. So take and write those five things down. And it isn't other people's, nobody knows that. Maybe other people don't even know. Maybe you are a really good singer, but nobody knows that. Maybe you are a really good person at building and making things which you never had the opportunity maybe you're a really good listener maybe you're someone who has great counsel for people and you're just like yeah man i really got great counsel for people it really helps them maybe you're just great at forgiving you had a lot of hurt in your life but you've moved forward and you're like man i'm really good at forgiving maybe you're great at budgeting watching money maybe you're good at breaking budgets and spending all the money it's my natural gift. My natural gift. I break things. I break budgets. Okay. 
Now here's what we're going to do. I'm going to challenge you to do this. I don't have to make you do this, okay? This is what, I, this is what I'm going to ask you to do, if you're willing to do it. And I know some of you are, probably and some of you aren't. This is what I want you to do. I just want you to copy that, like highlight it and copy it. Okay? And whatever social media you use, no, just stop, just listen for a second. Copy it, paste it, and post it. And just say, like David did, and all these people for thousands of years have read this, I'm thankful that God made me awesome. Here's some things about me. And just post it. And you know what? The things that you feel, is that awkward, isn't it? That's proud, that's arrogant, that's this, that's that, that's self-serving. It's not self-serving to say, God did this. Because if we want to be whole and we want to have sound mind and sound spirit and we want to have peace, we have to be able to not just tell other people, you know, man, if you come to the Lord, God loves you and God's going to help you. And God's gonna, you know, you'll have peace, you know, and I know you struggle with self-confidence and with courage and anxiety, but God will help you with that. And then walk away and then our own selves and our own mind and our own self always be like, oh, I wish I was so different. I wasn't like this. But to be able to say, you know, oh, this is me. And be able to post it. Anybody willing to do that? Put it in your own words if you want, but you can say, my pastor's making me do this. <laughs> here are the things that, here are five things that God made about me that are awesome. My pastor's making me do this. It's his fault. I'll take all the emails. Like, what are you teaching people over there? Pride and arrogance. Pride comes before a fall. Your church is coming down. Just post. If you only got three, use three. Use what you can. But here's, God wants you to be comfortable and aware and fully drenched, drowned with force and abundance in the knowledge that he has made many awesome things in the universe. And that in all of that awesomeness, it's okay to recognize that you are one of those things that's awesome. One of those things that's great. Psalms 139, 15 to 18 is the next couple of verses. David says, My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All of my days were written in your book and ordained for me before one of them came to be. That's important because nowadays we're getting to the point in science where we can actually do um, sonograms, is that what they're called, sonograms, and things to see babies before they're born and do tests to see, is it the type of baby I want? Is there a problem with the baby? Does they have an issue? And if somebody doesn't want it, they can just get rid of it. But this is saying, God, you saw me in the dark womb. You saw me there. You saw my frame. You saw how it was being made. Like, you saw all of this. And you put me in your book and you ordained for me these days before one of them even came to be. 
How precious to me are your thoughts. God saw you. He saw your issues. He saw your handicaps. He saw your deformities. He saw your problems. He saw, your, he saw all the stuff that we feel like we have. And yet he still looked and said, you know what? I want that one. I'm making that one. This, I want this one. I'm going to finish forming and creating and making. And, and it's okay if they have a little bit of stuff going on. I'm going to be with them. I'm going to help them. Oh God, how vast is their, how precious to me are your thoughts, oh God, how vast is their sum. If I were to count them, they would outnumber the grains of the sand. And when I awake, I am still with you. God's saying, I'm thinking about you. Like more than all the grains of sand, like I'm thinking about you. Well, what's he thinking? What is he thinking about? What's he thinking about me? What's that? Boom. You're going to go home. It's going to be your greatest post ever. Yay for dopamine. This is what God is doing. He's thinking about you. He says, from all the time, how vast are my thoughts? And they're precious toward me. So we know they're good. But what's he thinking about? Wouldn't that be interesting? You ever walk around, you're looking at somebody, and you're talking to them, and you're thinking, man, I wonder what they think about me. Or they walk away, and you're like, man, I wonder what they really think about me. Well, God is really thinking about you. I wonder what he's really thinking. Do you ever get that feeling? Like you're going to pray or you're going to spend time with God, but you're not sure, well, ugh, you know what he's thinking. I'm going through a hard time, but man, I don't even know what God's thinking about me. Well, he is, and so we're going to turn, actually, to Romans 8 to dive into what he's thinking about you. Because this whole chapter is really on the mind of the Spirit. And this is a spirit of God. So this is God's mind. This is God's spirit. These are the things kind of coming from God's perspective in Romans 8. It says, There is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For in Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and and death. So, When God is thinking of you and God's laying this out, the first seven chapters of Romans talk about all these struggles and things that we go through. Chapter seven talks about the things I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do, I do, and I struggle and I wrestle with this. Oh, wretched man that I am, who can save me from this body of death? Like, I just keep screwing up and messing things up, and who can save me? Who can help me? Well, it goes into Romans eight, and it starts right off. It's starting to get into how God is viewing and seeing and how the mind of the Spirit works and how we're supposed to set our mind on his thoughts, and it says, First, there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. So first of all, that voice that's always coming at you, telling you you're not good enough, you're not going to make it, you're just blowing it. Oh, no matter what I do, I'll never have enough money, I'll never have enough time, I'll never do this, I'll never do that. I'm always falling short. That voice of condemnation is not from God. It's not from the Spirit. The Holy Spirit does bring conviction, which is different. Conviction comes with hope at the end of it. It comes with hope. It says, you know what? Hey, this is wrong. We need to get it right because I have a good plan and a good purpose for you. Condemnation comes and just closes the door. It just shuts everything down. You'll never make it. You'll never be able to do that. You're no good. But it says there's no condemnation because God has already done something in the Spirit that we were unable to do ourselves. For what the law was powerless to do and that it was weakened by the flesh, by us trying to do it on our own, God did it by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man as an offering for sin. He thus condemned sin in the flesh. So that's where the condemnation goes. Sin, you don't have a future. 
Now, Kyle has a future. But sin, you do not have a future. I'm bringing you to an end. I'm bringing Kyle into my likeness. See, condemnation works the opposite. I will always be sinning. Sinning will never stop. All these problems will always be coming. It can live forever. But me, I'm, I'm a failure and a loser. So it ends us and it lets sin live. God does the opposite. He ends sin and he lets us live and walk into life. So he condemns sin in the flesh so that the righteous standard of the law might be fulfilled in us. God is going to come and help us to live out the good purpose that he has for us and to live in his way. Those who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit, according to God's spirit, according to God's thoughts, his heart, his mind. And then here it goes. Here's where it gets into the mind part. Those who live according to the flesh, our own ability, we set our minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their mind on the things of the Spirit. In other words, we turn our mind to the things of the Spirit, which is what this chapter is about. It's not condemnation. It's about God's help. It's about God coming alongside. It's about God building us up. So when God's thinking, and David's saying, man, you're thinking about me all the time. God is thinking, David, I see you. And I know that you could be going through condemnation because you're not doing everything just right and your life isn't working out perfect and you've got issues. And I see that you could have all these struggles and fears and anxieties and worries. But there's no condemnation, David, because I'm coming to help you and lift you up and I'm coming to actually do something in you by partnering with you with my spirit that you weren't able to do on your own. And I'm coming. I'm here. I'm there to help. And he's thinking about David. He's putting this forward. This is what the spirit's doing. Those who live according to the Spirit set their mind on things of the Spirit. The mind of the flesh is death, which includes not just the physical death, but includes all the things of death. Depression, right? That's a death. Isolation, fear, anger, bitterness, all these things that bring death and bring discouragement, bring things down. But the mind of the Spirit is life and peace. So the mind of the Spirit, God's mind is life and peace. So when his mind is what they are. Life and peace. That's what God's thinking about you. I want to bring life and peace to Bill, to Randall, to Stosh. I want to bring life and peace here. I'm looking down. Boy, he's sleeping right now, but when he wakes up today, I'm going to try to bring some life and peace. I'll have to wait for him to have his coffee, wait for him to get himself in a good mood, but then I'm going to try to bring him some life and peace today. I'm going to put people across his path that can speak encouragement to him. The song on the radio is going to bring life to him. If he'll sit down and take a few minutes and get in my word and pray and talk to me, then I'll really speak to him. If he'll just do it. I don't know if he'll do it. But if he will, man, I'm waiting. I've been thinking all night about what I want to say. I've been thinking about what I want to say to Alma. Will she sit down for a minute and listen to me today? Will she open my word? Will she spend a few minutes walking and just listening and praying? Because I've been thinking about her. I want to share something. I want to talk. I want to fill her life with life and peace and goodness. It says, because the mind of the flesh is hostile to God, it does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the flesh cannot please God. You, however, and it gets back to, to you. You, however, are not controlled by the flesh, but by the Spirit. The Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body may be dead because of sin, but your spirit is alive because of righteousness. You might be having these emotional death struggles inside of your mind and your body. Grief, depression, 
anger, fear, jealousy. These are trying to rage and take over. And that may be there, but his spirit comes in to give life. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead after all of the sins of humanity, past, present, and future were piled on top of him to stuff him in the grave, the same spirit that raised him to life is the same spirit at work to raise you to life out of all of the death that you feel because a few sins have been piled on top of you. This person said this. This person did that. This person offended me. This person didn't say anything. That was offensive because I thought they would. This person didn't take care of this. I screwed up. I did this. I did that. The sins that we have that pile on and bring condemnation and bring, oh, all those issues are nothing compared to all of the sins of humanity throughout history that were piled on top of Jesus. And yet the Spirit rose him from the dead to have victory and have life. It is the same Spirit that wants to raise you to life through whatever disappointment, discouragement, or struggle that you could go through. That's what God's thinking about you. He's thinking, you know, you might be going through it. But I made you awesome, and there's awesome things that I have for your life. And you might feel buried right now, but I want to unbury you and pull you back out. I'm going to do it the same way I did it with Jesus. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. We keep nursing the offense. If we keep hanging on to this thing, we keep doing things our own way, then we will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. In other words, if you instead choose to set your mind on the things of God and to get up, and when you feel discouraged, you feel down, you feel unwanted, you feel all these things, is to actually look in the mirror and say, do you know what? Praise God, he made me awesome, and I'm going to have a great day today. Praise God, he made me awesome, and do you know what? My kids are going to turn out okay. Do you know what? Praise God, he made me awesome. I am going to get through school. Praise God, he made me awesome, and my business is going to work out. I'm going to get the wisdom on how to finish this thing and do it. Praise God, he made me awesome, and I am going to be able to figure out how to put my marriage together with God's help. It's setting our mind on who God is and who he made us and his thoughts towards us, which are life and peace. My mind's not going to be set on the fact that I feel anxious. That's my body. I'm going to set my mind on God brings peace. He wants to bring me life and peace. Thank you, Lord, for your peace. Thank you, God, that you're working in me to, to calm my spirit and calm my soul, to help me have a sound mind and to feel a wholeness in you. Thank you, God, for doing that. And setting my mind on that, well, I'm not going to have enough money. I can't have enough money. I can work hard, but something's going to take my money away, and I have an anxiety about money. But you know what? I'm not going to get into that fleshly death kind of drag down train of thought because God says he'll supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. He says if I give, it'll come back, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. So do you know what? When I'm feeling like this, do you know what? I'm going to find someone to, to bless because I'm going to make myself live by the Spirit instead of make myself live by the flesh. Because the flesh takes me down this whole dark path into death. And yet, if I live by the Spirit, it takes me to this whole place of life. 
And so I want to walk that out. But it's a choice that we put our mind on, and God's Spirit comes and empowers and helps us. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery that returns you to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, meaning that we're brought into God's family, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. The end of that passage is that God's, God's thoughts, his thinking, his plans, his, his future for you is here. A joint heir with Christ. His plan for you is that good. His plan is to bring you into the inheritance of Jesus, to fill you with all the abundance of life that Jesus has. All the peace, all the joy, all the overcoming power and ability, all those things. God wants to bring that into your life. Completely and absolutely and overwhelmingly, abundantly and with force, that that becomes what fills all of the canyons and cracks of your mind. I'm going through this, but... Everywhere I go, I'm just saturated with this idea that, man, God loves me. God made me for a purpose. And I'm pretty awesome. All right, let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you, God, that you've given us, Lord, your word. God, that can help us, Lord. We don't have to rely on our own thoughts or how we feel in the moment or what other people say about us. Lord, I thank you for every individual, unique person in this room. Lord, we have candle makers and t-shirt makers and organizers and mechanics and guitarists and BB gun shooters, moms and foster parents and adoptive parents. And Lord, we have young and old. God, we have everything here, Lord. And you have uniquely made each person. Lord, I thank you for making them. I pray, Lord, that as they receive this word, God, that faith would come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Lord, I pray that they would have a freedom, Lord, a freedom and a joy and an awareness, Lord, a saturating awareness that your thoughts towards them are good, your plans towards them are good, Lord, that you saw them in the womb and made them, that you made them awesome. In Jesus' name, amen. Take the next step and visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com give.